Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, it says in your word that better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Father, we could be spending our time doing all sorts of different things. And sometimes when we gather in your presence, in in our humanity, we start asking questions like, why am I doing this? Why am I worshiping? But Lord, we're reminded as we set our eyes on eternity, would you just go ahead and lift your hands up to the Lord as a sign to say, God, we're just surrendered to you. As we think of eternity, God, this life is so short, it's but a vapor. It's here today, gone tomorrow. Yet we're going to be around your throne for the rest of eternity. And so Lord, we take this moment to remember that better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. That we would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than be doing anything else. Because we have tasted and seen that God, you are good. That you are for us. That you have a plan for our future. So Lord, over this service this morning, we pray that we would hear from you. That we would be transformed to your glory alone. And it's in Jesus' name everybody said. Amen. Come on, everybody said. Amen. Can we give the Lord a shout of praise? He's with us this morning. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Y'all doing okay? I'm excited to be here. It's always a good day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. God has been on the move, you all. This is, I think, week number five or six of us being open as a church. We've seen so many different people give their lives to Jesus. We've seen people come and find their church home, people that are watching online. All across the nation, people are being impacted by what's happening in this little itty-bitty church in the middle of Westfield. Isn't that so cool? Isn't that amazing that God is so mindful of us and has a plan for us? I want to share three different things with you all before we jump in. The first thing would be this, you belong here before you believe. And that is so core to who we are at One Church. If this is your first time or if you've been here for a few weeks, this is so important because we want you to know that before you ever get on the same page about whatever the Bible says and what Jesus has for your life, Jesus said you already belong. It says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He said, you already had a place in my family before you ever even knew who I was. And the second thing is this. We don't want to just reach those who are far from God, but whether you're watching online or in the room, we want to unleash those who want to go deep. Is there anyone that wants to go deep this morning? Okay, there's like two people. Is anyone wanting to go deep this morning? Come on. Okay, let's go. All right. And the third thing is this. I share this every Sunday intentionally because... It's so important to me as a leader that I'm not here to preach at you, but I'm here to talk with you. I feel like God has given me a word for this specific morning, for this specific congregation, whether you're watching on YouTube later. And I want to hear from heaven during the week what God wants to say. But I don't want to just stand up here and act like, hey, listen to my message. I have it all figured out. Man, this message this morning is so uh, it's so burdensome on my heart because I feel like God has been convicting me. Is that okay? Can I be in the same boat with you all as your pastor? But let's pray one more time as we jump in. Father, we thank you that your word is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. Lord, your word is different than any text known to man. Any other book that we pick up, it it, it says a few things here. We can intellectually evaluate. We might be able to add some self-help. But Lord, your word is different. Your word is alive. Your word is breathing. Your word is able to speak to the very situation that we came in here this morning with. Lord, your word isn't just stories for yesterday or Bible quiz stories. Lord, your word is alive. It's breathing, able to transform us even in this moment. And so, Lord, I pray over the next few moments that you would hide me behind your cross, that you would receive all glory and that none of us would leave unchanged. That each and every one of us, whether we're watching online or in the room, that we would have an encounter with you that would change us forever, Jesus. It's in the precious name of Christ we pray. Amen. The title of our series that we've been in, this is week number three, it's called Core. Everybody say Core. Now, we need to wake up a little bit this morning, okay? So, uh, I said this last week, we're not here to do like aerobics, we're not here to do some crunches when I say we're doing core, but I just want to be really honest with you all that when we follow Jesus, it's going to get tough. It's going to get difficult. And I was thinking this week, I feel like so many people actually walk away from Christianity because they got into it for the wrong reasons. 
They got into it thinking that life would just be this perfect, beautiful picture with that house and that spouse and that car. When Jesus actually says, no, when you follow me, you're actually going to be persecuted. You're actually going to be suffering in different ways. You're going to have curveballs that come your way. And so my prayer and my heart with all of this that I felt like God gave to me as I was praying weeks and weeks ago was that we would have an unshakably strong core. Everybody say core. So that no matter what life throws at us in our uh, in our finances, in our relationships, wherever it's coming from, we would be so firm on the rock of Christ that we would be unshakable. Amen? The title of my message this morning, and it's going to be a little bit of a heavier one. You're probably like, okay, all of them have been heavy. What does this mean? Okay. But the title of my message this morning is The Cost. Everybody say The Cost. Now turn to your neighbor and say, the battle is real. Turn to the person behind you and say, the battle is real. Now shout to everybody watching on YouTube later. Say, the battle is real. John 16, Jesus says this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. But in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. This is what Jesus says before he actually ends up going to the cross. He rises from the grave and he actually sends the Holy Spirit. Everybody remember when we were talking about that a few weeks ago, when the Holy Spirit comes. Christ said, it's better that I actually leave so that my spirit isn't just walking with you, but it actually lives in your heart. Jesus says, we're going to go through some things. We're going to have some curveballs. And so the foundational scripture we've been reading week in and week out, I've just been so burdened by God lately that with all of the crazy teachings of what's going on in Christianity in America today, the word of God, you guys, is so pure. And I don't want to give you anything that's fabricated. I don't want to give you something that's like, oh, that would get retweeted on social media or whatever. Like, I want to give you the pure word of God. Is that okay? Ephesians 3, 14 through 21, Paul says this, For this reason I kneel before the Father, I mean in, in view of God's mercy and His love, from whom every family in heaven derives its name. I pray that out of His glorious riches He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being. This is my prayer. We can go back to that one. This is my prayer throughout this whole series. If you want to go back and watch the first couple of weeks, my prayer is that no matter what life throws at us, we would have a strong core, that the inner spirit in us would be so strong. And then he goes on to say, to grasp this love that's so deep and so wide and and long, and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And then verse 19, to know that this love surpasses knowledge. It's not something that you can intellectually understand. It surpasses knowledge. And then verse 20 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask of, dream of, or imagine. And so here's the tough thing about being a Christian, being a Christ follower, is throughout all of the Bible and throughout especially the Old Testament, we see the favor and the blessing of God. Anybody know what I'm talking about, right? Right before Joshua goes into the promised land, the Lord says, do not turn to the right or to the left. Meditate on the word day and night. Anybody know that passage, right? He says, you will be prosperous and successful wherever you go. The favor of God. And then we also see throughout scripture, the suffering that we will go through for the name of Jesus. And so I feel like this, this whole series is about how do we hold in tension the fact that God says you will be blessed, but you're also going to go through some things. Are you with me this morning? You know what I'm talking about? The Bible is full of all these places of tension. Everybody say tension. And so here's the illustration I want to continue to come back to. When I felt like I heard this from the Lord and God was speaking to me in my prayer time weeks ago, I felt like he gave me this acronym. So C stands for Christ. Our relationship with Christ is at the core, the center of who we are. Everybody said the word intimacy. We talked about how intimacy is the core of our core two weeks ago. And then we moved on to the next week and we were talking about everybody say identity. Our relationship with ourself has to be healthy to be able to pour into others. Like if we want to make an impact in the world, so many of us get burned out three weeks in because we don't have a healthy understanding of our, everybody say identity, or just a healthy relationship with ourself at all. And then relationships, everybody say relationships, that'll be next week. I felt like as I was praying this week, God said we need to take two weeks on what it means to have a healthy relationship with ourself to actually make an impact that lasts. And then E stands for everything else. Everything flows from these three places. My goal for this morning is two things. Number one, I want us all to continually count the cost of what it means to follow Jesus. 
Jesus in, in John 16, before he gives this promise of, hey, I've overcome the world, take heart, I've given you my peace. At the very beginning of the chapter, it's either in this or John 17, he comes to his disciples and he says, I've told you all of these things so that you will not walk away, so that you won't leave the faith. And I feel like so many people, they get into Christianity, they get into this thing of like, man, I had this encounter with God, I felt him on Sunday morning, and then what happens Monday morning? They got into it for the wrong reasons, they're evaluating all of it. So I want you to continually to count the costs of what it means to follow Jesus. And the second thing is this, I want to expose, everybody say expose, I want to expose the enemy's schemes against our life as believers. And I can't do all of it because I'm only human and we only have about 25 more minutes, okay? But I want to spiritually hand you what I feel like I've seen the enemy's playbook looks like. You know, before we would go into a basketball game, we would look at their scouting report, right? And we would start studying and all these things. Like, I want to, to the best of my ability, as the Spirit enables me, whether you're watching online in the room, I want to hand you the playbook of what it looks like to say, hey, if you're going to be a Jesus follower, this is what's going to come against you. Is that okay? Okay, two people are like, yeah, that's okay. I don't know. The rest, all right. The first thing is this. We are in a spiritual battle 24-7, 365. Let's just start there. Turn to your neighbor and say, wake up. Now, some of you need to physically wake up. Turn to the person, say to Jackson, say, wake up. Jackson, wake up. Come on. When you are a believer, let me just be very honest with you. I don't want to sugarcoat anything as you continue to follow Jesus here. When you become a Jesus follower, you give your life to Christ, you get baptized, you say, God, I'm going to live my life for you. There is now a giant X on your back from the gates of hell. There is. And if I don't tell you that, I'm not doing you a favor. I'm not doing my job as your leader. John 10.10 says this, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full, to have it abundantly. And most of us, we love this scripture because we're like, Jesus said, I'm going to have life to the full and my life is going to be blessed. But we forget the, the part that's in yellow. But the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So how do we manage the tension that good and evil are constantly fighting for our soul? Good and evil, because we live in a spiritual battle, they're constantly battling for our attention, for our worship, for our time. If anybody's with me, just say amen. 2 Corinthians 2.11 says this, In order that Satan might not outwit us, we are not unaware of his schemes. Paul is basically saying this to the church of Corinth. Hey, I know you're excited to worship Jesus. I know you're excited about the spiritual gifts and things are happening. But, but let me give you the playbook before you get too excited because some things are going to come against you. One of the enemy's main goals is to convince you that there's not a battle actually taking place. Like, think about, for, think about that for a second. The enemy's main goal to start is to convince you that he's not even real. To convince you that all of those thoughts that are going through your head late at night, while you're driving to work in the morning, while you're hanging out with your family, all those temptations, all those crazy thoughts, those wicked thoughts, like, his goal is to convince you that those are all neutral. Oh, that's just your own thoughts. You just need to go and get some help. About Jesus is saying, no, no, there's an enemy that came to steal, kill, and destroy. Paul is saying, let me give you the playbook but in America, the enemy's convinced a lot of us that he's just, he's not even real. He hides, masks himself behind so many different things. I remember being in, in South Africa. Anybody ever been to a mission trip before? I shared this a few weeks ago. I remember being in Nicaragua in South Africa. Man, when you go to a, a place like that, when you're out into like the slums, maybe a third world country, and you're serving God, like you see that spiritual warfare, the enemy is very much black and white. It's like you got over, over here, you have people who are literally worshiping Satan. And then you have over here people who are like worshiping God. You see the divide. Anybody ever know what I'm talking about? But in America, it's all gray. It's all gray. It's hidden behind entertainment. It's hidden behind movies. It's hidden behind celebrities. It's hidden behind agendas, political agendas, all these crazy things. So Ephesians 6, 10 through 13, again, I just want to give you the pure word of God. Paul tells the church of Ephesus, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And, and, and unfortunately, this passage has become like a little Bible kid story, and that's it. Put on the shield of faith and the gospel. Anybody, you know what I'm talking about? Okay. 
But this is serious, and Paul's like, I want you to take this serious. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against another country. It's not against another ruler. It's actually against spiritual principalities and rulers of this dark world. And I don't know why in our country we don't talk about this more, because when you want to stand for Jesus, you want to give your life, like, this is going to come against you. There is an X on your back. But we don't have to be afraid Verse 13 ends up saying, Therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you don't have to be afraid. You're going to be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand. But here's the thing. We can't just be aware of the enemy's schemes. We have to know how to win. I want to give you the playbook. We can't just say, oh yeah, I'm in a spiritual battle and I go to church. I heard about that. Like I want to help you know how to win. It's my job as your leader to equip and to empower you. I remember a mentor one time coming to me, and this is when I was at Indiana Westland, and as I was jumping into my call to ministry, he, he, he pulled me aside one time, and he said, hey, Andy, I just want you to know, after you're done preaching a message, after you get done doing an event or a retreat or a camp or wherever you're at, sometimes there's going to be some crazy thoughts that go into your head when you get off the stage. Don't trust those thoughts. And I was like, wait, wait, what do you mean? That sounds kind of creepy. That sounds like, what's going to happen to me? Like, I want to stand for Jesus. I want to make an impact. But he said, Andy, the same day that you're preaching, a lot of times afterwards, just don't trust some of those thoughts that you're hearing. I was like, okay. And the more I got into it, the second man idea, this is what he was trying to get me to see. The enemy will attack us when we are most vulnerable. Everybody say the word vulnerable. And now we all feel vulnerable together, all right? Now, here's the thing. I heard a sermon one time that radically transformed my view of one of the enemy's main plays. And his name was Robert Madu. He was preaching this sermon called The Water in the Wilderness. And he said, hey, I just want you to know, I know you're excited about Jesus. You're joining church. You're joining a group. You want to make an impact. But, but everybody at one point as a believer, you're going to go through this thing called the water. Everybody say the water. And then he said the wilderness. Okay, now some of y'all got your attention, right? He said it that way every time. I'm not going to do it ten more times like he did. But he said the water, and everybody said the wilderness. He should have said it in that voice. But uh, this is the pattern. This is the pattern of what we're all going to go through. Can I just be honest with you? All of us are going to experience, everybody said the water. Now everybody said the wilderness. Matthew 3, 16 through 17. Let's look at the example of Jesus Jesus, fully God and fully man. We can relate to what Jesus went through in his humanity. As soon as Jesus was baptized, right? Jesus was baptized. Think about that. He went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was open. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, alighting on him. Everybody say, Father. Say, Son. I say, Spirit. We serve a God that is three in one. Father, Son, and Spirit. So this is one of the moments in Scripture where we see Father, Son, and Spirit interacting at the same moment right here. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son, right? The father is speaking identity over the son. He says, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We just talked about identity last week, right? Everybody with me? Jesus had a moment where he experienced that in his humanity. And then Matthew 4, 1 through 11, check this out. Then it says this, right after that, Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness. The wilderness. Right? But wait, wait, wait. it doesn't say Jesus was, was attacked by the, the devil that led him into the wilderness. It says the Holy Spirit led him to the wilderness. Wait, wait, wait. That's going to challenge some of our framework of God, right? Because if we think God is just all prosperity gospel, it's going to be all good and my life is blessed. Like, yes, but, but the Holy Spirit's going to lead us into some difficult places. He will. And it's not even necessarily your fault. It's not even necessarily the enemy's fault. But it's actually God leading us into something that's going to strengthen. Everybody say strengthen. To strengthen our faith. So he was led into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. But look at the vulnerability in Jesus' humanity. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. I would be hungry too. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, check this out. He's challenging the identity that was just spoken over him. If you're the Son of God. Tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written. He replies with scripture. It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. This is what the devil does in our lives. He wants to promise us something that he could never fulfill for you. 
He takes him to the highest mountain. And he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All of this I will give you, Jesus, if you bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. Think about this. The enemy will attack us when we are most, everybody say, vulnerable. Jesus was tired, he was hungry, and he was fasting for 40 days. This is what I want to explain. In other words, the the attack will often come right after the high or during the low. This is what will happen. And many of us, we don't want to talk about this. We want to act like Christianity is all a game. Like, man, I just want to go to church. Why are you talking about all this deep stuff? If you want to be a Jesus follower, this is going to happen. And I'm not going to lie to you. And I'm sick and tired of people having fake conversions to Christianity. Because this is eternal. And many of the disciples, when Jesus was explaining this, you guys, a ton of them left him. They said, Jesus, this is too difficult. Like, we just want to go to church. Jesus said, no, no, no. Are you all in for me or are you all out? Because there's only two options. The attack will come right after the high, right after you give your life to Jesus, right after you get baptized, the enemy's going to come to you and say, was that really real? Like, like, do you really want to put all of your faith into Christianity, right? Or during the low? I mean, on Sunday, you have this great experience at one church, and then Monday happens, and you have this thought where you're like, Monday, you know, Sunday, excuse me, Sunday was probably just like an emotional experience. And then Wednesday comes. Man, those people that prayed for me, they they probably don't really care about me. And then Thursday comes. Man, this Christianity thing, it's for some people, but I I just don't know it's for me. And then on Friday and Saturday, you're saying, is God even real? Can I encourage you this morning that those thoughts are not neutral? That there is an enemy that wants to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to divide your life. He wants to distract your life. In other words, I would say it this way. The enemy will always challenge what God just spoke over you. He will. Look at the example of Jesus. This is my son whom I love, who I am well pleased with. And then all of a sudden the devil is saying, if you're the son of God. If you're the son of God. If you're the son of God. He's always going to challenge what God just did in your life. You have an amazing experience at one church. or you're, you're, you're praying in the car and you're like, God, I know that you met me. And then two days later, what do we do? We doubt it, right? We doubt, was that even real? Like, why, wait, why am I in this church? What's going on, right? Matthew 4, 6, if you're the Son of God. So what do we do? I don't, I don't want to just explain this from a 30,000 foot view. I want to give you like some tools. Is that okay? Three different things. And I hope you just write it down, do something with it. Number one, what do we do when these things are happening? We must quote the Word of God out loud. It says, the tempter came to Jesus and he said, if, if you're the son of God, what does Jesus do? He answers with scripture. In our day and age, we have totally abandoned the idea of scripture memorization. You realize how important that was? Like in, in my parents' generation, my grandparents' generation, like they used to say, memorize scripture. And then it turned into a legalistic thing and then nobody wants to do it now. But you guys, if you don't know the word of God, you're not going to be able to fight you will be confused. You will, at some point, think this is probably fake. We must, everybody say, quote. We, we, we can't just know the word, but we have to quote it and say, no, no, no. It says in the word that, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So when I start having these crazy thoughts about whether Christianity is real or not, no, no, no. It says that scripture is all God-breathed, useful for teaching and rebuke. Are you with me? Like in your car, on the way to work, quoting it out loud. I don't know why nobody's talking about this, but if you want to win, this is part of the playbook. The second thing is this. um, Ask people to pray for you. We were talking about this this morning as as a body of Christ, but if you want to live in victory, you got to have like two, three, four people that you can text and say, can you pray for me right now? Like, and I'm not just talking about people that like you used to go to church with and like they used to be in your Bible school. I'm talking like people that you know and trust that will on the spot say, Yes, I'm going to intercede for you. I'm going to stand in the gap. Are you with me? And the third thing would be this. 
we must stay in Christian community, right? In, in, in a day where everybody wants to start their own church and start their own, you know, movement, and then everybody wants to, to, to just kind of read what's on Facebook, and that becomes their Christianity. Here's the thing. Isolation and doubt, they go hand in hand. Some of us are like, wait, wait, what's going on? When we are living a life of isolation, we start to believe some really weird things. Like it says in Ephesians 4, it says, when we gather as the body, when we come together, not just like in our, our own like little Bible study, but like when we come together as the body of Christ, we start to see clearer. But then what happens is, the further that we go into isolation, the more we doubt. And then the more we doubt, the less we want to come out of that isolation. Are you with me? But this is what the enemy wants to do, okay? He wants to walk you from a place... Everybody say doubt. This is what the enemy will want to do. He wants to walk you from a place of doubt. And then he's going to say, yeah, not, not only was your experience fake, but, but, but your calling isn't really real and uh, all these crazy things. And then this is the knockout punch. This is where he wants to take all of us at one point. He wants you to believe you're the only one that's ever thought that before. And that's what keeps us in isolation. This knockout punch right here. Because this is why we don't open up, right? We, we want to act like, okay, we have it all together. I want to come to church and look like, yeah, I believe this. Like, I'm ready to serve. But, but let's just be honest. Sometimes we walk into church and we're like, we're, we're doubting something. We're doubting our identity. We're doubting our faith. Are you with me? Just say amen. This is so, so core to who we are. And I just felt this so strongly, man. As I was praying about this week, I felt like God was saying, there's a lot of people who are, who are living in doubt right now, and you might feel shame because of that. Can I tell you that there's no shame if you are wrestling with that? In fact, I would say like this, doubt is not a place where God thinks we're weak. It's a place where He makes our faith strong. Doubt is the point that you come to the end of yourself. Doubt is the point where you wrestle with God. Doubt is the point where you start to say, okay, is this Bible really real or is it not? Like, did Jesus really rise from the grave or am I just like going to church on Sunday? Doubt is the place where everything becomes solidified. It becomes strong. And I think this is the example. It says the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. Well, we could say, well, wait, wait, God's, well, why would he ever do that? I think it was an example to show us, no, no, this is a place when our faith is, everybody say, tested. It becomes strong. And then we persevere. And then perseverance turns into character. And character turns into hope and says in Romans. And then we know that we know that we know because why we've been tested. But a faith that's never been tested, it'll crumble. Another thing that I was thinking about, where where are people getting tripped up? Where are we really, really struggling with this idea that we're going to go into the water, into the wilderness Another place that I was thinking of is this. The bait of Satan is the spirit of offense. When I say temptation, when I say like you're going to be tested, I'm not just talking about pornography, getting drunk, having sex before marriage. I'm talking about your relationships. The temptation in your relationships to blow up on your spouse, to blow up at the people at work, to blow up on your kids. The spirit of, everybody say offense. Some of us just got offended that I said that, right? But it's the moment where you're like, I can't believe they said that. I can't believe, why would they ever do that? I mean, we're at the dinner table. I can't believe so-and-so did that at work. They knew I was supposed to be in that meeting. I love this quote. I shared this a couple weeks ago. You can't carry a cross and a fence at the same time. Woo, okay, somebody, hey, we missed that. You can't carry a cross when Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me and have an offense at the same time. I felt this so strongly in my heart. There are people watching online or in the room. It says in Scripture, do not come to worship unless you have reconciled with your brother and sister in Christ. There is some reconciliation, and I feel it, that needs to happen. Maybe it's with a spouse. Maybe it's with a loved one. Maybe it's with a friend. Jesus says, I know you want to come in and you want to lift your hands and worship, but not until you are reconciled, till you deal with this fence, because you can't carry a cross and a fence at the same time. Another thing that I really wanted to encourage you, I was trying to think through, man, where are all the places that I've been through in the past eight years of being tested and wondering, God, like, is this crazy? Am I, am I crazy? Here's the, the next point. The enemy will try to, to divide. Everybody say divide. The enemy will try to divide your close relationships right before a breakthrough. 
And some of you maybe haven't experienced this yet, but what I'm saying is right before your walk with God is about to take off, all I'm just going to say is just be on alert. Because He's going to come after the relationships that are dearest to your heart. It's not just going to be temptations of stuff online or drinking, all that stuff. Like I'm talking about like, like you and your spouse all of a sudden, like you just don't feel like you're on the same page. You don't feel like you connect anymore. You don't feel like you're attracted anymore. Like all those crazy things, like you have to know you are in a battle. Like people don't just get up and have an affair one day. It starts with the enemy walking one step at a time. The enemy will come right when we are most Vulnerable. Is it okay that I'm talking about this? Anybody like, okay, yeah, no, okay. The third thing is this. Let's keep moving. Our spiritual health is directly connected to our physical and emotional health. Now, some of you are probably thinking, what does this have to do at all with spiritual warfare? Like, Andy, what? 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. It says, do you not know, Paul says to the church of Corinth, that your bodies, everybody say temples, you are the temple of God's presence. God's presence lives in you whom you have received from God, you are not your own. Your body actually doesn't belong to you, but you were bought at a price because of what Jesus did on the cross. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Let me just explain something, a little bit of Christian history here for a second. There was a heresy. Everybody say heresy. There was a heresy in the Christian uh, tradition from a long time ago called the Gnostic Gospel. And what these people wanted to, to, to kind of put out there was, yeah, I mean, Jesus was, was fully God, but he was kind of fully man. Like he kind of took on an earthly body. But it says in the word of God that, that the word became flesh. The incarnation is the fact that God took on an actual body like us. What they were trying to do is to separate the spirit from our body. Are you with me? They wanted to say, no, no, these, these two things, like your prayer life and your body, like they don't really connect when in fact... Everything about our physical, emotional, and spiritual health is directly intertwined. All the decisions that we're making, physical, emotional, spiritual, it actually all interweaves together. So here's, here's another thing that I would explain to go with that is 1 Corinthians 15. It says when we get to heaven one day, we're not just going to be like a bunch of spirits floating around. Anybody ever picture that in heaven? We'll all be floating on magic carpets. I don't know what you thought. It's not Aladdin, but, but we will actually have like bodies. 1 Corinthians 15 says like when Jesus comes back, we're going to actually have a body that's more real than the one that we even have right now. I think there's a connection to that, right? I would say it this way. If the enemy can't make you rebellious, he'll just make you unhealthy. If the enemy can't get you to, to live in things like pornography, to live in drunkenness, if he can't live you, get you to, to live in adultery and leave your spouse, he'll just try to make us unhealthy. Because he knows that over the course of time, as we get unhealthier and unhealthier, then we'll just eventually burn out. And we'll have zero impact left for the kingdom. You can have a really strong prayer life, but, but if we have a weak physical health, and can I just tell you, like, this is where I'm extremely convicted. This is where I need to grow a ton. Another way to say it would be this. Unhealthy physical health actually increases the difficulty of fighting spiritual battles. Like Jesus is fully God, fully man. He is perfect, sinless, spotless, right? But let's look at the example of his life. He was fasting. He was tired. He was hungry. He was, everybody say, vulnerable. When we have really, really, really weak physical health, it makes us really vulnerable. And it makes it difficult to fight these battles. You know, I used to have students that would come to me when I did student and campus ministry at at Ball State and Trinity Church, they would come to me. And some of these things were extremely real. And some of them were like, you need to go see a counselor. There's nothing wrong with that. Maybe you need to even get on some medication. But, but I can't tell you how many times where a student would come to me and they'd say, Andy, I'm so depressed, man. I'm just so anxious. I'm, I'm just addicted to pornography. I, I can't stop drinking. And, and I would say, whoa, 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 wait, let's just like take a couple steps back. And we started looking at where their life was. Well, well, you're eating Taco Bell four out of the seven days of the week. You're staying up till 3 a.m. You are um, not taking care of your body. You're never exercising. 
some of our own decisions like lead us to that place. Can I just be real? Like, and we want to, in our culture, slap on and say, well, well, I'm just this, and I'm just that, and I'm struggling with this. Maybe it's some of our own decisions that got us to that point. The Lord is saying, no, 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 our body, our spirit, our mind, they're directly connected. Like, we can't just honor God with a strong prayer life and not our bodies. And not taking care of the temple that God has entrusted to us. Look at this, Matthew 6, 22 through 23. This is what Jesus says, the eye is, everybody say the lamp. Is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are unhealth or if your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. He's connecting our body to our prayer life, to what we look at, to what we watch, to what we meditate on. But if your eyes are unhealthy, I think it's so interesting he uses the word healthy and unhealthy. Your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? What goes through our eyes goes through our soul. Everybody say eyes. Now some of you are probably thinking of that YouTube video where they're trying to spell or say eyes and they keep saying E-S. Anybody? Okay. All right, maybe. What goes through our eyes, I thought about that when I was practicing this and I was like, I'll share that. Yeah. What goes through our eyes then goes to our soul. Everybody say eyes. Then it goes, everybody say soul. And then what goes to our soul goes through our body. Jesus is saying, if you are addicted to pornography, it's actually not just going to affect your spiritual life, it's going to affect your physical health too. Like, have you ever walked into a, a room and you met someone and you knew they were on fire for God? What was one of the first things that told you that? It was their eyes, right? You saw it. You saw like a fire burning in their eyes. But then you can meet someone that's right next to them and you can tell like, man, there, there is literally something going on literally by just looking at them in the eyes. Our soul, our mind, our body are so interwoven. And I'm almost done, but I felt this so strongly to share with you all. When we fall into temptation sexually, and this is where I just want to go deep with you for a second. When we sin sexually, when we are having sex before marriage, when we are addicted to pornography, when we're doing all these crazy things, the impurity that that comes with, it doesn't come alone. And what happens is, when we sin sexually, then fear starts to creep into our life. And then insecurity starts to creep into our life. And then a whole th- group of things that are like, man, where did this come from? Like, why am I questioning like what my body looks like, what I look like? Why am I questioning my identity now? It's because when we sin sexually, we sin against our own body. And it doesn't just affect our spirit, it affects our body, it affects our mind. Another way to say it would be this, impurity leads to insecurity and confusion. Like, what we meditate on, what we watch, I'm telling you, some of us are watching movies where we are welcoming spiritual warfare into our life. We really are. We're saying, come on in, come on, make yourself a living room table right here, come on, like, let's just hang out. When God is saying, no, 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 like, you need to be in the world, but not of it. But why would you be entertaining these things that are destroying your life? Not just destroying you, but destroying your relationships, destroying your marriage, I'm going to go have Anna come up and we'll be done in just a moment. But the fourth idea is this. Are you all with me this morning? Is this okay? I just want to tell you the truth. I can't do anything else but just tell you the truth and love. The fourth thing is this. God gives us victory in the battle, but he also gives us life to the fullest. He does. This isn't a message about, oh, suffering and woe is me. Like, no, no, no. We have the victory. Come on, say amen. But we also have life to the fullest. And this is who God is. It says he does immeasurably more than we could ever think of, dream of, or imagine. But check this out. 1 Peter 5.8, it says, Be alert and of sober mind. The enemy, the devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Can I just point this out this morning? It says, like a roaring lion. He prowls around like a roaring lion. We give the enemy way too much credit, you guys. He's not a lion. He is like. Everybody say like. It's all smoke. Really, the enemy is just a worm burning in ash, and he knows his time is short. We have the victory in Jesus' name. Amen.
We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be worried. We don't have to act like, okay, what's going to happen to me? Like, no, no, no. Jesus said, I have given you my authority to trample over darkness, to live in freedom. The enemy, think about this. He's not all-knowing. God is all-knowing. The enemy does not know everything about your life. He doesn't know what's going to happen from today to the end. He is not God. Number two, he is not all-powerful. Okay, His power is very, very limited. His leash is very short. He looks like a dog that's attached to a tree that can only go this far, right? He's got a loud bark, but he can't do much. And the third thing is this. He is not omnipresent. Think about that. The devil cannot be everywhere all at once. That's for another sermon. But that's just to encourage you. Colossians 2.15. Let's just go back to the word. It says, And having disarmed the powers and authorities, Jesus made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. On the cross, Jesus said, None of you have any power. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess in heaven and on earth. There is no name that's close to the name of Jesus. The Lord is the the roaring lion of Judah and the enemy is the worm burning in the ash. That's the analogy. But it's so much deeper than this. You know, I kept thinking, God, what do you want to share to your people? I felt this come to my mind. God doesn't just want us to live in... He doesn't want us to just be forgiven. He wants us living in freedom. And many of us have been forgiven, but we're not living in freedom. The Lord's heart to us is not just to reach you. It is to unleash you. It's not just to say a prayer. It's not just to say, hey, I gave my life to Jesus two weeks ago. He wants to see you running loose, on fire, making an impact, changing people's lives. Living, everybody say freedom. Living in freedom. But what keeps us back, right? Like, what, what is the thing that keeps us from saying, okay, God, like, I know the enemy's going to attack me, and I know that this is real. Psalm 37, 4 says this. He will give you the desires of your heart. And most of us want to just get up and start giving a standing ovation as soon as I read that scripture, right? But I want you to think of this scripture when it says, He will give you the desire of your heart. I want you to think of it this way. God doesn't give us our desires. He gives us new desires. And He fulfills them. you guys, the battle that we will all go through. Everybody say flesh. Everybody say spirit. The flesh is all of our earthly cravings. It's wanting to live outside of God's will. It's wanting to go party. It's wanting to go blow everything that we own. It's wanting to go have an affair, to watch pornography. I mean, you fill in the gap for the temptation. But everybody said the spirit. Can I encourage you? God wants to endlessly, overwhelmingly, abundantly pour out blessing on your spirit. Wait, wait, this is a this is a revelation because this is really important. When you start to understand that God is for you, he's not against you, that God's plans for you are to prosper you, not to harm you. It's not the prosperity gospel. It's not so you can have that house. It's so that you can have a peace that's unshakable, an identity that no one could take from you, that you don't have to live in fear anymore. You don't have to live in slavery anymore to what other people think of you. He has given you freedom, and it all comes from, everybody say, the Spirit. He wants to bless us like we've never imagined. I was thinking about this, you know, Aliana just started crawling, which that's a nightmare in itself, all right? So I'm going to be on the loose. But I was thinking about this. She, she started crawling. Now we got to watch her a ton more. And then she's like on the couch. She wants to crawl right off the couch, right? She thinks she can fly, probably. And as a father, you know, like, what am I doing? I'm like, hey, let me, like, let me not let you crawl off the couch, maybe. Let me catch you. And, and I was thinking about this so much. It's so simple. But God sets up boundaries in our life not to limit our pleasure, but to protect our hearts. The enemy wants to promise you something that he can never fulfill. It's all smoke. He wants to show you a castle when really there's nothing there. He wants to promise you a relationship. It's going to end in slavery. But Jesus... Jesus wants to give us the desires of our heart. You know, I heard this explained one way. Temptation, it's a prison disguised as a playground. 
when we are tempted to live outside the will of God for our lives, to go to that relationship, to go to that job, to leave our loved ones, to whatever, you fill in the gap. It is a prison disguised as a playground. It looks nice and it is enticing, right? And in our humanity, we are tempted, but just because we're tempted doesn't mean we're living in sin. Are you with me? Everybody in the world, you all, would you stand to your feet? We'll be done in just a moment. Everybody in the world is trying to escape the moment. Do you know what I'm talking about? While everyone else is trying to escape the moment, believers live life. They live the moment to the fullest. Like actually, tangibly, spiritually, eternally. While everybody else is like, man, I need to pop a pill to escape the moment. I need to take this to escape the tension in my marriage. To escape the frustration with my loved ones. I blow up in anger. But when you taste the true peace, when you taste the true joy, you don't need to escape anything any longer. You can face the moment head on and say, I am fulfilled in Jesus' name. There is a satisfaction that is running over. There is a joy that I can't stop talking about. There is a love. There is a grace and it starts bubbling over. And you don't have to escape anything. You say, I am fully present right here in this moment. This is holy ground. I want to share this and we'll be done in just a moment. This is a a, a poem, a spoken word, whatever you want to call it on my heart that I just felt like God said, this is the time to share this. And this spoken word I wrote back in 2017 and it's called The Cost. And let me just be honest. When I wrote this, I was going through a period of doubt in my life. Like I was called to ministry and can I be honest, at Indiana Westland, there was a year in my life, about six months where I was questioning if Christianity was even true. Man, I was feeling tempted. I was feeling anxious. So I wrote this out of a place to say, I hope that God can just bring you into this and you can experience the power of God. Is that okay? It says, I hunger to come face to face with God Almighty. I intercede that he would radically transform every part of my family. I long to see this nation change for centuries to come. We keep plotting and we're praying for revival, but what's it going to take to truly break this cycle? This is more than a conference. This is more than hype. This is more than a Christian stereotype. For many have cried for God to heal this land, but few have been willing to take a stand and accept that many will misunderstand. If we want to see the salvation of the lost, this type of glory comes with a cost. The victory doesn't come without a fast. You could ask the people at Pentecost. So what do you do when you're in the fire and all your passion is gone? One moment you had a smile in the room after being baptized and the next your conscience is being drowned by the father of lies. Identity was released over you in the water, but now the wilderness has you questioning if you're still his daughter. The temptation that you just surrendered at Calvary is enticing you to walk back into that yoke of slavery. Comparison breathes insecurity down your neck. Striving seduces you to make a name for a bigger check. I mean, on Sunday, you were hearing the voice from heaven, but on Monday, you're hearing the voice from hell, and it's at level seven. But the God of the universe whispers into our ear this morning, pick up your sword and fight, for I'm about to turn Sodom into a city of light. So by faith I will stand on every word that you have said, for the same attack coming against me will be flipped upon its head. I will stare into the gates of hell, and I say I will not bow down, for I have chosen zeal, and I will not take your crown. For no weapon formed against me shall prosper, and the testing of my faith only makes me stronger. And as we press into the weight of his presence, would you just close your eyes? Let's lift our hands to heaven. As we press into the weight of your presence, God, we are clothed with power and anointing from the heavens. Boldness begins to flow through our veins, for our praise weighs more than the enemy's chains. And I look to the Father and I know who reigns. The shepherd commands us to stay in our lane because the lion inside of us will not tame. For the same spirit that raised the Messiah is poured out on us like it did on Isaiah. So if we press through, if we don't give in, every place we set these feet is ours. And through all of our troubles, I promise this, our joy will know zero bounds. And as the Lord calls us to new levels, there will be new devils. But as we pay this price, we will not think twice, for it will not compare to meeting our friends in paradise. So let me point us, you can open up your eyes, let me point us back to the cross. Do we... Treasure Jesus enough to pay this cost. Would you pray with me? Father, I just thank you.
right now in this moment, God, that you are with us. Lord, there's so many things that are calling for our attention. I just pray for extreme clarity and focus right now on you, Jesus. And Jesus, I don't want to just see people get excited for you. I want them to say, no matter what, no matter the cost, I am here for it. And so with every head bowed and eyes closed, even people who are watching online on YouTube later, if there's anyone in the room this morning where, man, you're just saying, God, I want to give my life to you this morning. I, I want to be someone that, that says yes to the cost. Knowing that it may cost me friends, it may cost me popularity, it may cost me security. There is no security better than you, Jesus. So if anyone in the room this morning wants to make that decision, would you just lift a hand this morning if that's you? If you're saying, Jesus, I want to make you Lord of my life this morning. I saw your hands. You can put your hands down. We can close our eyes, keep them closed. And let's just pray this prayer silently in our heart. God, forgive us. Forgive us of our sin. Thank you for your blood that was shed for us. Thank you for your love for me. I receive you as Lord and Savior of my life. I give you your right place in my life. I say, Jesus, you are king of my life. Over every part of my life, relationships, finances, kids, decisions, you can have it all, God. And I receive your Holy Spirit into my heart. And I thank you that you didn't stay in the grave, but you rose three days later for me. And I plan to live for all of eternity to make an impact for you now. If there's anyone else in the room this morning that you're a believer already and you're just like, God, I already believe this message, but there are some things that are holding me back. I want to have a strong core, but I feel so many temptations. I feel so many distractions. I feel so many things that are pulling for me. Would you just lift a hand this morning if that's you just as a sign to say, God, Yes, I see all the hands. You can put your hands down. Lord, I just pray 